Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. Today's guest is Gabby Dalkin. She's a best-selling cookbook author, chef, as well as the food and lifestyle mastermind behind What's Gabby Cooking? She's probably one of your favorite foodies to follow on Instagram. She just released a new cookbook titled What's Gobby Cooking? Take it easy recipes for zero stress deliciousness. So be sure to check it out. Anyway, today we sat down to talk about Gobby's fertility journey, how she hopes to destigmatize miscarriage, and she shares some powerful wisdom about her experience that I think many of you will find refreshing and helpful. I hope you enjoy our chat. All right, here we go. Hi, Gavi. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I have been such an admirer of yours for the longest time, and it has been so kismet because you actually came on board as an investor in Parallel recently. So first of all, thank you for for believing in what we've built. I think what you guys are doing is absolutely incredible, and I'm so honored to be involved in I feel like you've got, you guys have done such an amazing job surrounding yourself with amazing people that we all have in common. It feels like a very beautiful place to be. Yeah. And our connection is actually your doctor, who is also one of our founding doctors. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Wong, but also Jerry. Yes. And Jerry, of course, <laughs> one of our advisors, Jerry Hirsch. So it's just been, it's been so fun to connect in this way, but Today on this podcast, I'm really excited to talk to you because you have had a journey to becoming a mom, and there have been many ups, downs, sideways, and in-betweens, and I'm really excited to jump into your story and share that with our community. Um, But before we do... I have to say congratulations. You have a new book out, a new Thank baby. You. I do. I have my fourth book baby. I only have one real human baby, but four book babies. And my fourth one um, is out in the world and it's very exciting. So exciting. I can't wait to jump in. Thank you. So let's just center ourselves. You have a little one, Poppy. She's a little over 18 months. And this journey to today has been a bit of a winding road. So looking back, though, I'd love to understand, did you always envision your life as a mom? Did you always know you wanted to become a mom? Yeah. I mean, to be quite frank, I wanted to be a mom of two and I wanted to be a young mom. Like I wanted to like get married right out of college and have babies. My mom had me when she was 27. So like I figured I'd do the same. Yeah. And then my husband who I've been with since college, he was like, we're not getting married when we're 23, Gabby. Like, it's just not how I'm, he, he just, he wasn't ready to get married. We've been together ever since, but we waited to get married till I was 26. And then my career, you know, kind of took off and we put having kids on the back burner for a minute. I was traveling all over the world. I was writing cookbooks. I was getting all these really exciting deals. So we didn't really start thinking about kids until I was into my 30s. Not that that's old. It just wasn't what I was like, what I had pictured, you know, when I was in high school and college thinking about becoming a mom. But yeah, like, bottom line is, yes, I always wanted to be a mom. And as your career flourished and took off, how did you decide that it was the right moment to start building your family? Or did you decide that? 
I think it was when all of our very close friends were having kids and we would go visit them for a weekend. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like these kids are fun. They've got personalities. They're like cool to hang out with. My mom also had always said something to me growing up, but essentially it was, you know, when you have kids, you're inviting these kids into the world. Like they're not asking to come into the world. You're inviting them in. So when you guys are ready to have kids, you got to be ready to, you know, like change your life a little bit. So I think once we saw all of our friends, you know, becoming a little bit less selfish and becoming parents, we started to think about it a little bit more. Yeah. And as you were warming up to the idea of starting a family, did you fully understand, you know, exactly how that process of getting pregnant worked and how your body worked? Because what I I, I realized with my own experience was I never really talked to my OB or doctors. I just always thought, oh my God, you can get pregnant so easily. And there was kind of this fear in me. And then suddenly I got you know, I was at the precipice of, okay, I want to start a family. I'm exploring this. And I had no idea how that worked. What was that like for you? I know you come from a family of doctors, but did you understand how the mechanics of conceiving worked really and, and understood that? I don't think I understood how hard it is to get pregnant. Like I remember being terrified of getting pregnant right out of college basically. And and now that I look back, I mean, maybe it was different. I was, you know, 23. My eggs yeah. were younger back then. Maybe it would have been a little different. But I I had no idea how complicated it would be and how much actually has to go right to get pregnant. Like what you need to be putting in your body, how you're treating yourself, how busy you are, all these different things. I didn't know any of that until we really had gone through multiple miscarriages at that point. Yeah, it's wild. It seems like such a gap and such a need for us to educate around. So as you were starting that journey, walk me through that process. What did that look like? I understand your your first pregnancy did result in a miscarriage. Yeah, so we had, I think, six miscarriages before Poppy. My first time I ever got pregnant, we were early, like six weeks or something. And I remember going over to my parents' house. And like you said, my dad's a doctor, my mom's in the medical world as well. And we like had our camera out to film their reaction. And we're like, we're pregnant. And I was expecting one of those, "Ah!" like, so excited, you know, and they were both so even keeled, so chill. And they're like, Oh, my God, that's super exciting. Like, let's celebrate when we get past 12 weeks. And I was like, Huh? <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> this was not the Instagram content I was no. looking to get, guys. Like, <laughs> what? Um, and we left and we were like, you know, like we had like a lovely dinner or whatever. It was amazing. They were so excited. They didn't know we were ready, blah, blah, blah. And we left and we're like, oh, wow, like, that's really interesting. We've never thought about that. And honestly, thank God. Because we miscarried, we, I went in for my first OB appointment, I think it was like at eight weeks. Um, and things were like, not where they should be. Like I was measuring at seven weeks, they thought maybe I conceived. I was like, man, I'm tracking my ovulation. I know when I conceived. Uh, and then we went back the week later, and nothing like nothing had progressed. So at that point, I had to have a DNC. The first time I had a DNC, I opted to do it awake. Okay. And what was that like? Because I think a lot of people don't know what a DNC is or what that experience is like, if you don't mind just 
high level. So what does DNC stand for? It's like D, I'm Googling it as we sit here. <laughs> D and I should know this. I talk I about it all the time. I should know this too. Yeah, I only it's know the short term. It's called a dilation and courtage. Hmm. It's okay. basic for lack of a better word for description. This is graphic. Um, they're vacuuming out your uterus. Yeah. Because you're not passing it. So, so when I went into the doctor, they were like, okay, so you can either wait to, to, you know, miscarry on your own and basically bleed in the middle of who knows what you're doing. And I was about to go on book tour or I, oh, I had, a, I had an appearance on the Today Show the week after. You're kidding. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, this is too risky to be <laughs> miscarrying yes. by chance when yes. I'm on Nash TV. No, thank you. <laughs> So I was like, no, I'm going to do it. Like, I'd give me the procedure. So I went into the doctor. It was an outpatient procedure. They give you some drugs. I uh, discovered that day that I am not a drug. I'm not a good drug user. All <laughs> like, right. Well, fair I enough. <laughs> threw up on the way there because of whatever painkiller. they. I just, it was. Anyways, I go in. Yeah. We're sitting in the room. The doctor's performing the DNC on me. Thomas passes out on the floor. No. Yeah. Stop. So, so the oh nurse who God. is also supposed to be paying attention to me is now paying attention to my husband <laughs> and I have someone vacuuming me clean. <laughs> oh my God. And it wasn't painful per se. It obviously wasn't comfortable, but the the sound is something I don't ever want to hear again. So I opted to be put under for the rest of my DNCs moving forward. <laughs> okay. Fair. Very and fair. And I can but laugh what a difficult... about this now. Because yeah. I've been through so many, but it's obviously not a laughing matter. Like it, I get that it's very hard and it's, it, it was not funny when I was going through it. No, absolutely not. I can't imagine how traumatizing and then also how difficult that must have been for your partner to be there the first time he's struggling. It probably was really hard for him to see you in pain. I can't imagine all the layers of, you know, yeah, you I mean, that's with. why that's exactly why he passed out. He was like watching you be in pain and I'm pretty tough was not easy. Wow. Wow. So after that pregnancy um, and that loss, how did you move forward? Did you keep trying? Did you get any insight as to why it was resulting in a miscarriage? You said some things were just not developing correctly. Is that what you're saying? So, so we, um, this was pre Dr. Wong. So there's the, I qualify my life as pre Dr. Wong and post Dr. Wong. So I had two miscarriages before I met Dr. Wong. Um, both times, the first time we just chalked it up to like one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. Like, yes, yes. Okay. Very like, common. Yeah. Sucks that that was my first time, but like my mom had had miscarriages also. Like I knew it was a possibility. Yeah. Second time I was like, that's weird. Like, you know, two times back to back is still not great. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I met Wong after my third. I had, I did. It was after my third. I had a third miscarriage and I was like, something's up. Like, this is not normal. Three in a row is, is like, exceptional mm -hmm. in a bad way. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. And um, I was sitting at a girls' night at Jerry's house, and one of the girls was like, you should go see Dr. Wong. He helped me get pregnant, and I made an appointment. And I went in, and he, like, opened up our eyes to everything. Prior to going in there, my dad made us watch all these videos on the language that fertility doctors use. So when we're sitting there listening to what he had to say at our consultation, we weren't just like words flying over our heads. So we walked in there with like a really great understanding of terminology. And Dr. Wong 
basically said, like, we, we did like my AMH, we did all these different tests, like, you know, you're 33, like you don't have 100% great eggs anymore. Like there's a very real possibility. We had the we had number two and number three tested and there was a chromosomal abnormality for both of those. He's like, it's very possible that you just your eggs weren't great those rounds like it was a bad egg it got fertilized or whatever the word is and it implanted but it didn't stick because something was wrong so after that it was like just a game of science to me like at him describing that to me was like I'm a I, my brain's very like science and mathematics oriented so I was like oh okay so like I had three bad eggs in a row we had we had done all the other testing Thomas had been tested like I knew I just needed a good egg so we kept trying and we had a chemical pregnancy and then I think I had two more DNCs wow and then COVID happened Wait a minute. Can we pause though before we even get to COVID? Because by this point, you've had four or five miscarriages and a chemical pregnancy. Gobby, how did you how did you stay positive and protect your mental health? That is a lot to go through. It is a lot, but it and it wasn't easy. But one of my other girlfriends um, had two miscarriages, and her mother in law was like after one of them, she's like, you have to practice extreme self-care. Like uh, you have to do whatever it is that's going to make you happy. So for us, that was like in a pre-COVID world, we spent a lot of time traveling. We had, we went out for dinners with friends. Like we did a lot of things to focus on us and what brought us joy outside. You know, like this obviously was a very sad thing that we kept going through. And it was it was brutal. Like I remember people on Instagram used to be like, you guys are so cute. You'd make great parents. That would crush me. And that's actually why I chose to share my story publicly because I needed people to stop asking me when we were going to have kids. Um, but we, I practiced extreme self-care and, and I knew there was nothing wrong with me. Like I knew, I knew it's a mathematics game. I am 33 years old. I no longer have amazing, like 100% eggs. I maybe have like 50, 50 and only one of them shoots down that fallopian tube every yeah. month. So like, who knows if it's going <laughs> to yeah. be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So separating like the science from it and then like really leaning into things that fill our cup and bring us joy was how we maintained some, you know, composure. Some semblance. Yeah. And out of curiosity, as someone who's been through that, what was helpful to you from your friends and your community when you were going through that? Were, were there ways that they could support you or things to say or not to say? So um, great question. I get this question a lot. I think for my very close friends, I had I was keeping them in the loop. Like I wanted them to know what we were going through so they could know how to respond. Like one of my best friends, Emily, I would text her and be like, I got a positive pregnancy test. And she just like stopped reacting to them. She'd and like, she'd be like, okay, like, let me know what it is next week. Like, how can I help? Do you want me to take you to lunch? Do you want to stay busy? How can I, you know, that was really helpful to me. And when I shared it online, like on a larger platform, people sharing their stories was actually really helpful. Like it was really nice to read other people's stories. Some people took it a little too far and were like, I never got pregnant. And I was like, that's not what I really want to hear right now. Yeah, but like, yeah. you know, it's a tough line to, you know, tiptoe across. 
But I think as a friend, watching your friends go through it is is brutal and you don't know what to do. So I think just letting them know you're there and to use them in whatever way you need them, like maybe it's going to get a massage. Maybe they want to go to lunch and not talk about it. Just like telling them, hey, I'm here. Whatever you need me, feel free to use me. You know, because there's nothing you can really do. Yeah. Well, I love what you mentioned that your friend said. She just asked you, how can I support you? I mean, that might be even the simplest way to figure out how to support your friends who are going through it because we are all different. Some of us don't want to talk about it. Some of us do. Um, But that's really helpful. I think a lot of people either are going through these things. Many of us have gone through miscarriage or had friends who have. And how do you support them? I mean, that's constantly a question that's popping up. Okay. So unpause. So COVID has started. (laughs) You guys have just kind of been relishing a little bit and, you know, enjoying each other, finding ways to bring joy into your life. Now what's happening now that COVID hits? So we had just gotten back from London. We had miscarried shortly before that. And we like went to London and we just lived it up. I had all the cocktails and I had all the meats and the cheeses and the raw thing, like things you're not supposed to eat while you're pregnant. And we got back and I went in to go see Dr. Wong. And he was like, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you six months to get pregnant or four months to get pregnant before we start just like naturally before we come up with a new game plan. Like whether that's starting Clomid or IUI was never an option for us because when you do IUI, it's like we knew it was an egg problem. So IUI is not it's not helpful for us because you can't test the eggs like we would have had to go directly to IVF. Um, so we could at least take in the eggs, made them into embryos and then tested them for any chromosomal abnormalities, um, which is why we think I miscarried all those times. So uh, Dr. Wong was like, I'll give you X number of months, you know, talk to you later. COVID happened. We were locked down at home and Thomas stopped being able to come to my Dr. Wong appointments because you couldn't go with your partner. Um, so I went in one day and he was like, we were just doing like a, a dye check or whatever of my ovaries, something like that. And he was like, you're going to ovulate, like go home, come right now. And I was like, okay. And then basically two weeks later, I hadn't gotten my period and I went in and we got pregnant and I was terrified. Oh my God. Straight up terrified because A, it was COVID. B, like, I was just like, okay, well, I got to wait 12 weeks to see if I make it past the first trimester because I haven't so many times. And I spent the first, you know, 22 weeks of my pregnancy in like true fear. Oh my God. Wow. That's brutal. That is brutal. And were you going in regularly for testing? Was there anything that could provide you with reassurance or? Was it just getting through each appointment along the way? So for the first 10 weeks, I was with Dr. Wong and I was going in, you know, twice a week for blood work just so they could tell me my numbers were still rising. I think they thought I was crazy that I wanted to pay to have that much blood work done. But I like uh, mentally I needed that. Um, And he graduated me at, you know, 10 or 11 weeks. And I was like upset. (laughs) And what does it mean graduated? That means you can go back to seeing your regular OB or what does that mean exactly? It means you no longer have to go to the fertility doctor and you go to your regular OB. I didn't have a regular OB because Uh. we had like just moved. And so I didn't have anyone close to me. 
So obviously, who do I call? Jerry yes. Hirsch. And I was of like, who do, what do I do? And she's like, Dr. Katz is the best in LA. If anything, you know, goes wrong in delivery, he's who you want to have. And I was like, okay. So I made an appointment with Dr. Katz and I started to go see him at 11 weeks. And we immediately, I was like, I want every test that can happen, that can possibly happen. Let's do them all. Like none of them that are optional. I opted out, like I opted into everything and I didn't really tell anyone until like, honestly, thank God for COVID because I didn't have to see anyone for so many months. Nobody knew I wasn't drinking at dinner or anything like that. It was very, it was, it was lovely. Like getting for, it was was kind of a nice time during those early days of COVID just when you could have a little more privacy, I guess. Yeah. So after the 20 week appointment, when I went to do the 3D scan is when I like kind of sort of breathed a sigh of relief and started to tell a few people. So you got past the 20 week scan, you're feeling a small sigh of relief. How was the rest of your pregnancy? I tried to enjoy it. I don't think I ever like really enjoyed it until I was like 34 weeks. Because at that point, I knew if I delivered, we'd still most likely be okay. But it was like, like, I I, it's so funny when people get pregnant by accident, and then they have this beautiful pregnancy, and they're just like living their best life. And they're so cute with their little bumps. Like I never really felt that. I was so nervous and I so wanted to be a mom by this point. Like my friend's kids were all three and four and, you know, like I felt very, I felt like very left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it was a lot. It was a lot to process. That is a lot. And you obviously carried beautiful Poppy to full term. And tell me a little bit about your, your birth experience. So I went in at 38 weeks, 38 weeks for my 30, 30. eight, whatever words are clearly escaping me, my 38 week (laughs) appointment. And, um, she was breech and I was like doing like none of the crazy things to turn her, but I was like laying upside down and like trying to flip her manually with my own hands. Like, and I went into my 30, 38 week appointment and Katz was like, when's the last time you ate? And I was like, well, obviously right before I walked in the door, have you met me? Like I live, eat and breathe food. He was like, don't put anything in your mouth for eight hours. I'll see you at Cedars at four. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he was like, you are, your fluids are incredibly low. And she's breached. She's running out of room. C-section 4 p.m. Meet, meet me there at two. And I was like, there were, Alex, there were 17 contractors at my house finishing up the renovation, that's, which we didn't plan on finishing for two weeks because we thought we had two more weeks. I call Thomas and like Thomas went into full fight or flight. I call my contractor, like my main contractor. I was like, Matt, I'm delivering this baby in eight hours. And like side note, the team stayed here till 11 p.m. finishing my house. Oh, my God. We went to Cedars to get a C-section and like the whole like I had I had really envisioned like also because of Jerry laboring at home for a little bit and taking a shower and like blah, 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 like all this beautiful thing. None of that. We like rolled into Cedars after a very boring, uneventful drive. And like four hours later, we had a daughter. Wow. So it wow. was nothing like I envisioned, but so incredible and beautiful. And Dr. Katz was a dream for us. And that's amazing. That's we so lasted. Good. 
you're supposed to stay at Cedars or at a hospital for two to three days. And we left a day and a half later. I was like, I got to go. Bye. (laughs) Wow. Your, your story is so interesting because it's almost like you've kind of had these idealized versions of what fertility and getting pregnant and pregnancy and even birth look like, because it's all we talk about publicly. We don't talk about these stories. So it's really refreshing. First of all, thank you for sharing all of this. But also so interesting how you really looked at the fertility sprint of your journey through a very medical, scientific, mathematical lens. I think that's so interesting and probably helped protect you a little bit emotionally as you're going through so many ups and downs. It's really fascinating. Big time. It was, I think, one of the biggest things that protected me from like, being depressed or, you know, like being upset with my body. Like I never felt those things because to me, it's science. Like if, if being able to make that differentiation was so huge for us because we knew we, it it only takes one egg. It only takes one good egg. And it just is like, for us, it took a lot of times to get to that great egg, but it all like Poppy's a dream. So that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about those early days at home with Poppy. What was that like? Did you feel a massive shift? Did you have a moment when you looked in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I'm a mom? Tell me about that. Yeah. So we brought Poppy home January, 2021. And I think it was like, like Delta was raging, like ravishing the country. And it was really scary. Like we didn't let anyone come meet her unless you could do a full two-week quarantine. Like, we were strict, which was wild. But we're also, like, we worked really hard to get here, and we're not about to, like, let our little baby girl get exposed to something she doesn't need to be exposed to. Um, So the the first four nights were awful. Like, I, my boobs were exploding. Like, my night nurse, I didn't, I wasn't going to have a night nurse. I wasn't planning on it because my mom was supposed to fly in. But since we delivered two weeks early, they had to, like, finish their quarantine. And so they couldn't come in till day four of Poppy's life. So I was on my own for the first four days. And I literally, my boobs were, she couldn't even latch. My boobs were so big. Oh, it's so brutal. And I called one of my girlfriend's sobbing and she's like I'm gonna send you my night nurse she's and she she like just had this woman that she's used for her past kids and luckily she was available for the week and her she like rode in on a shining horse and like milked me so Poppy could latch (laughs) and and she was here for only two nights and she like watched Poppy while I slept for a little bit and would bring her to me to breastfeed and then a couple of days later, my parents got there and things got easier because then I felt like I had some help taking care of me, you know, like recovering from a C-section and trying to feed the baby was a lot. Like it's, it's a lot. It, you it, need like, help. Yeah, you do. And like, you can't move, you can't pick things up. So my dad and my mom came in, they were like, we have to really move because if you move the fast, not like not trying to like go run a marathon, but like the faster you do steps, the faster you can go around the neighborhood, the faster your body's going to heal. So we were doing like 10,000 steps a day by day 10 or 11. And by the end of a two week period, I was like totally back to normal as far as C-section pain. Um, 
and we just got to, you know, be in a little COVID cocoon because <laughs> there was no You kind of had to be. Yeah, you yeah. have this new babe. Yeah. And walk me through just you. What was going on with you? Obviously, you were trying to figure out how to care for this new baby, but where were you at mentally? How were you doing? I actually had like, I, I like feel weird saying this out loud, but I've never really experienced anxiety um, until I became a mom. And like those first few months were like, I would wake up and I'd be like, oh my God, I just had a dream that I like dropped Poppy doing like, like the most ridiculous things that aren't actually like things that I would never do, but like your hormones are raging you're sweating all the time. You're like, like you're, you're, there's milk coming out of you. You're literally a cow. <laughs> like I was like, I, like my mind was not a hundred percent right. And, you know, like I still have some of those dreams or thoughts sometimes and it's terrifying, but I try and like one of my girlfriends who's done a lot more therapy than me <laughs> was like, you know, when that happens, like, think about why you're thinking about that. Like, and would you ever, like, would you ever let go of her hand in that? Like, no, of course you wouldn't. Like, so back it up and, like, think of that situation in a positive light, you know, rather than someone falling off the side of a mountain, like, maybe you're going on a beautiful family hike. So, like, reframe those things so you're not so panicked about it. But I was, um, you know, it was yeah. an adventure. <laughs> well, postpartum anxiety is so common. And we typically hear about postpartum depression. And what was interesting is one of our f other founding doctors, Dr. Sarah Oreck, she's a reproductive psychiatrist, was talking to us about this transition of going from being a, a woman into being a mom. And that transition is akin to the magnitude of adolescence, and it's called matrescence. And it is the greatest shift in our hormonal, biological, mental 360 life ever for a woman. And when we go through that and pop out the other end as a mom, um, one of the big things obviously is postpartum depression, but also postpartum anxiety is so common. And I personally experienced that. But what was interesting is she said the prevalence of postpartum anxiety has increased since COVID. Um, so that's kind of interesting too, especially for you as someone that did never, you know, struggle with that. I'm sure that COVID just kind of added a little fuel to the fire. So how did you cope with it beyond, you know, you have this great advice from your friend. Is it still part of this, you know, being a mom thing for you or how do you cope? I think when I think for any parent, just being responsible for someone else's life is always going to come with a little bit of anxiety. Like that's the most precious thing in your world and you would do anything to protect them. Um, so for me, it's just been reframing anything that like kind of spooks me or freaks me out. And also like talking to my network about it. Like I, you know, have an incredible group of moms and parents around me who I can be like, is this normal? Mm -hmm. Am yeah. I going yeah. crazy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all normal. I think that's what we, we realize when we it all share is. our stories. Like everything is fair game. <laughs> it's so, it's so fair game. Yeah. And it's so nice. I think, you know, what's beautiful about the last five to 10 years is people have become a lot more open about sharing their stories. And I think that's an incredibly helpful tool and gift to get from our friends. And, you know, 
it's important to be vulnerable with your friends and to let them be vulnerable with you. And I think everyone comes out of that with a really, you know, positive experience. Completely. I mean, people feel less alone when they hear other stories and that they're not so different or weird yeah. or whatever. I mean, I can't tell you how many women over the, like we did that uh, IG live with Dr. Wong, what, 15 months ago, like it Poppy was a baby baby. Like I must get 10 to 15 messages a week saying that that specific IG live has like changed their lives. There was, you know, Dr. Wong's starburst analogy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so for everybody listens, he, he listening, he uh, describes your follicles with Starbucks or starbursts and the good ones are red and the bad ones are orange, which obviously makes sense because the orange starbursts are actually not as good as the red ones. They don't taste as good. And it's this whole analogy. Go back and watch the IG live. But one woman messaged me and she was like, I'm 64 years old. I like couldn't process why my daughter wasn't talking to me about this. And I listened to your podcast or your Instagram live. And I brought her only red Starbursts as like a good luck gift because the daughter was also a fan. And I was like, that's the nicest thing I could like. My job here is done. <laughs> By the way, I will link that Instagram live in the show notes so everyone can watch it. It is incredibly informative and as someone that's already in the category, I learned even more. <laughs> it, it was fascinating, but that is so beautiful. Dr. Wong is the best human. <laughs> he really is. He's amazing. He's truly salt of the earth. Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, you have had such a journey. It's tremendous what, what you've you know navigated. Um, now being a mom, obviously you have a career, you have a life beyond Poppy. So let's talk a little bit about that transition from focusing on Poppy and being in that baby bubble to moving back into work, especially under such a public microscope. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, interesting because to me, my job is my life. Like I was incredibly selfish pre-Poppy. Like if I needed to drop on, you know, like get on a plane tomorrow to go do an appearance on a TV show, I'd go. Like I, I was very selfish with my time. So I never like really processed how I would make that transition. And we just kind of made it very slowly. And I'm grateful that we were in the situation we were in, like being at home, because there weren't so many like travel opportunities and things coming up that I had to like jump on a plane and do. Um, but for me, it was very much trying to get Poppy's schedule figured out and then work around her. So whenever she was napping, I was working and as soon as we like sleep trained her at four months, life got a lot easier. And then we brought on a nanny at eight months. Um, and, you know, it's incredible because she's like flourished going to the park and hanging out with all these little kids and I get some work done. And obviously she's still a priority. What you guys, uh, you guys listening didn't see is you won't hear it because I'm sure we'll, we'll cut it out. But Poppy came in just for a kiss and like before she went to play with her friends, like, I try and be as present as I possibly can while also running a business because, you know, my husband works for our, our company. I work for the company. Like we have employees. So like I also have to be very present for work every day. Yeah, it, it's definitely a balance. And I think that the thing is, is it will always be a balance. There's no perfect way to blend the two and you just have to prioritize and be ruthless with it. Yeah, that's yeah. The, like the best. Doing your best is all we can ask for. And, you know, there are many nights that I stay up until nine, 10 o'clock 
scheduling and sending emails so I can spend some time with Poppy the next morning and not feel stressed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to hear, you know, anyone that's listening to this that's going through a fertility journey that is maybe going differently than they expected, or even maybe they just had a birth experience that didn't go as they had planned. Um, What advice can you give to them? I would say to give yourself some grace, like you're doing the absolute best you can do. And that's, that's great. Like that's basically the best you can do. And I think that's an incredible gift to give yourself is the grace to go through it and feel the feelings that you want to feel and know that there are options. Yeah. Yeah. We're very lucky to live in yeah, 2022. <laughs> yeah, we live in a world where there's incredible science and incredible resources outside of having to pay to go to a doctor. There are incredible resources online and on podcasts and on Instagram and places where you can find trusted voices to help guide you in your journey. And I would also say be as open as you can be with your close-knit community because I think sharing what you're going through makes, you know, other people less scared to share their journey. And, you know, you might find some really special people in your life by doing that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy (laughs) we got to spend this time together. Me too. This was so wonderful. And thank you for sharing your story. And again, being so open and honest and it's so important. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Parallel. We are a prenatal vitamin and supplement solution that adapts to your changing body's needs throughout your motherhood journey. All of our products offer the highest quality bioavailable ingredients at doctor-recommended doses tailored to each unique phase. Preconception, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, and postpartum and beyond because your prenatal vitamin shouldn't be one size fits all. Sign up for our newsletter at parallelhealth.com to learn more.